Welcome to I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast sponsored by Caterer.com and hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. Today we're talking about diversity and inclusion and joining me to unpack this vast subject we have Shan Ran, AIH, Dr Maria Goebbels, MIH and Robin Shepherd, FIH. Once again, a massive thank you to all three of them for giving up their time and opinion. So to find out whether diversity and inclusion actually belong together, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to the next episode of I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast, hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. And once again, I'm joined by three excellent humans from within the IOH membership who are all very kindly giving up their time to chat to us today. So first up, and from within the fellowship, we have Robin Shepherd, president of Bespoke Hotels and the current past chair of the IOH. Welcome, Robin. How are you? I'm fine and dandy. Thank you so much, uh, Phil. Looking forward to this morning's session. Fantastic. Great. Where are you recording from today? Sunny Oxfordshire. Are you home then, as opposed to hotel bound? Uh, I am not hotel bound. Yes, uh, today I was hotel bound beginning of the week and tomorrow. So today's a, an admin day. Very good. Well, yes. Well, the uh, the discussion today you can include as part of your admin. <laughs> I'm also resisting the temptation to call you a legend as I feel like that's all I do whenever we have discussions so I'm uh, I'm going to leave that out today. I'm just very, just very old. And we well we did a, a a chat recently didn't we on adversity which will be getting aired uh, in the not too distant future as well so uh, that's just a little plug for that when that comes out as well but you're very welcome and thank you very much again for giving up your time to chat. Next up from within the MIH ranks we have Dr Maria Gebbels. Good Welcome. morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks very much. Do you know, I just realised I didn't ask you if the pronunciation of your surname. Did I get that right there? I think so. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, for, for those who don't know who you are, Maria, just um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you, what you do. Sure, thank you. So, um, my day job, if you like, is um, as an academic and I work at the University of Greenwich. Um, I'm the senior lecturer in hospitality management, uh, but my other responsibility is leading a, um, an MA programme um, in international tourism and hospitality management. One of the other things that I love doing is my engagement over the years with the Institute of Hospitality. And I'm, I'm very proud to say that I co-chair with um, Fiona Jarvis the IOH Future Forum. So this is another thing that I do. And I'm today from, well, talking to you from the um, sunshine coast of um, of this country or in this country, which is Eastbourne. So thank okay. you. <laughs> not, not the actual sunshine coast in Australia. but um, No, but that's what we... Like. wish you were there. <laughs> I wish I was there too. <laughs> um, just If you could just give us a quick overview of what the Futures Forum actually is. Sure. Yes. So this is a, I guess, a group of individuals. We all come from different um, walks of life, different experiences. One thing we all have in common is that we are somehow passionate about hospitality, whether that's because we work in the industry, like some colleagues, whether like, um, for instance, Fiona Jarvis, we champion a particular aspect um, to do with um, accessibility in her case, um, or like myself from, from academia. And what we are trying to do within the Futures Forum is to 
advocate, I guess, for um, for change, um, for change with with regards to the subject of diversity, inclusivity, accessibility, um, first and foremost, um, so that the IOH as a as a professional membership body can lead the discussion um, within these subject areas, but also that we can hopefully, I guess, just make the world a bit of a better place for for, for others. Yeah, fantastic. Well, that that sounds excellent. Is that a fairly new initiative or or has it been around for a while? No, it's a fairly new um, initiative. So um, some of the listeners might be aware of the Diversity Shield and maybe some of the listeners have already purchased one. So the uh, Futures Forum kind of came around around the same time as the Diversity um, Shield, as well as the Youth Council. So the many new cool things that the IOH has um, has put in place and, and, and and we, we hope that we are making a difference. Yes, and a nice little plug for the diversity shield there as well. Mm-hmm. So well, well done. No, that's great. You're you're very very welcome. And uh, and finally, from within our associate members, we have Shan Ran, who is a current member of the IOH Youth Council, as I understand. Uh, thanks, Phil. Hello, everyone. Um, yes, I am a, a founding member of the um, IOH Youth Council. Yeah, and so that came about around about the same time as the Futures Forum. Just tell us a little bit what the, the Youth Council are getting up to at the moment. Absolutely. So um, currently uh, we're working on our uh, our first event, which is taking place at the end of the month at uh, Sky Bar in Hilton Park Lane. And it's about gathering not just AIH members, but members from all over the hospitality community to discuss the next 10 years and what that may look like. Yeah, and another wonderful initiative that's um, that's in play. Um, well, you're all very welcome, and I, I massively appreciate you taking out the time today to discuss this interesting topic, which we'll get on to shortly. But uh, I'm just going to come back to you, Robin, and just ask you the very straight-up question. Why did you say I'm in to the IOH, which must have been one or two years ago now? Uh, well, I felt it was quite a good thing when I was, when I was a student uh, back in the, in the 70s uh, at Oxford Brooks and um, or Oxford Poly as it was then. So I uh, joined as uh, the same as Sean as an AIH to begin with and then graduated through MIH and then was rather chuffed when I um, had been around long enough to qualify as an FIH. Um, so I'd always felt it was important to have a vehicle that you could learn from but equally give back through. And the IOH has delivered on that promise pretty consistently throughout the time I've been using it. The old adage, the more you put in, the, the more you get out. And I think that's true. So I ended up becoming a member of the subcommittee and board about 10 years ago and then, then had a period as just under three years as, as the chair, which was a, a privilege and very interesting. And now the very energetic Kelly Rickson has taken on that role and Robert has taken up his role. And uh, I'm, I'm seeing a very dynamic and uh, strongly growing period for the IOH and all power to their respective elbows. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I love how you, I think classifying Kelly Rickson as energetic is a slight understatement. <laughs> Force of nature. Yes, absolutely. No, no it's um, it, it's very interesting directions we're heading into uh, with the, the, the IOH. There, there's no question. It's an exciting time for the, for the body, for sure. Maria. I, why did you say I'm in to the Institute of Hospitality? Well, actually, my story is somewhat similar to Robin's. Um, I joined the the Institute, I think, in about 2000 and I want to say 10, something like that, as I was um, graduating um, from the University of Brighton with a BA. 
um, in hospitality management. Um, and um, I think as, as a student, I, I'm quite sure I was already um, a student member of the Institute. And then I guess, um, you know, one thing um, after, after, after another, I became a bit like Robin said, and, um, an AIH, um, then then as a member, and I have continued sort of um, working and um, learning from from the IOH um, over the years. But um, I have always found the IOH to be a great space for for me, especially as a, as I say, as, as an academic, sort of keeping in touch with the industry. Um, although I have always somehow been or remained in touch with the with the hospitality industry. My husband is a chef, for instance, so there is no no way out for me, even if I really wanted to um, have a way out. But we've always somehow I've always somehow as a family been been part of the um, of of the industry. Um, but the the IOH has always made me feel like I'm definitely still part of it myself, and just being able to go to different networking events, being able to um, meet new colleagues, um, individuals who can inform my knowledge and my teaching with their industry practice is something that I value very much. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, you, you've got quite a, a huge amount of responsibility on your shoulders because mm. you are, you're bringing through the next generation. So it's all on you. <laughs> I, I, as you said it, I can feel this weight on my shoulders now. <laughs> but but I, I guess yes, I guess you are right. I think it's. But I think, I think it's always really important for for both the industry and academia and education sector to work together. And I think that's why I've always been really um, strongly involved with the IOH and, and I hope that they would say the same back that uh, you know they, they've always wanted um, to be involved within the University of Greenwich so I think you know it has to be a collaboration it has to be a partnership because if we are educating and inspiring the the next generation of, of, of leaders then we have to be doing it together both with education and and by offering them excellent industry opportunities so so yeah yeah I, I couldn't agree more I think uh, the key word there collaboration mm. is is how we win uh, ultimately so yeah thank you very much and then uh, last but not least Shan why did you say I'm in to the IOH? So about a year or so ago when we were still in lockdown I was actually suggested uh, to join the IOH by uh, a fellow Rachel and um, she said it'd be a great way of meeting like, like-minded professionals so I thought whilst I had some downtime it would be great to kind of link up with people that had the same interests um, as myself. And I've never looked back since then. It's been such an open, uh, like an open-minded and welcoming uh, society. Uh, but ultimately, I said I'm in because I want to be part of something that's bigger than myself and learn from um, seasonal professionals kind of across the globe, really. Something that really attracted me was the mentor me program and I was very very lucky to be paired up with Rob Hood who works over in Canada for Marriott and learned so right. much from him so that I guess yeah they're my reasons why I think that's really cool actually I hadn't I hadn't really fathomed the the scope of the mentor me initiative in the sense that you've got a an international mentor I think that's really cool Yes, no, I'm incredibly lucky. I think initially it was trying to set up a meeting with him. You had the different timings, but once you're used to uh, use to that and we'd set up a few meetings, it, it just felt so natural. And he's such a, a warm and caring person. I'm just really grateful to have been kind of linked up with him because, like I said, I've learned so much from him. 
Yeah. No, that's brilliant. And I think uh, we've definitely got a future discussion topic in mentoring. Yep. It's it, it has massive importance in anybody's career. Fantastic. Well, no, that's great. Well, thank you very much to one and all. So I, I think it's uh, it's time we got stuck into today's discussion. The opening statement today is uh, is a bit of a weird one. I wasn't 100% convinced this was the right thing to do. But in any case, I'm just going to put it out there and see where we go. So if you had to make a choice, would you choose diversity or inclusion? Now, we don't have to answer that question right now. I think we, there's a number of things we probably need to discuss first. But actually, I went looking for definitions of the two mm. things because they historically come hand in hand. Mm. But my, I suppose my question really is, should they come hand in hand or should we be dealing with these things in isolation? Mm. And anybody can jump in to give their thoughts on that as they see fit. I would probably say for me, diversity and inclusion are two halves of the same challenge. So diversity and by extension, intersectionality, they set the parameters of the challenge that we have ahead of us, not just in our industry, but in all of our workplaces. And inclusion is the how, the strategy, if you will, behind achieving these diverse workplaces. So for me, I wouldn't necessarily choose one or the other. They are very much holding hands. Nice. Very, very good way of putting it. Okay, I think that's as done. We can probably leave it there. <laughs> and uh, thanks very much for your time. Um, Robin, do you, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I think we probably need to tidy up the definitions a little bit more about what mm. where diversity and inclusion begins, because I don't know about you, I'm, I'm confused. I'm also just trying to study here and see if there's a better way of describing LGBTTQQIAA because uh, I don't think that's very memorable uh, somehow in terms of that particular sphere. Um, I've got enough troubles remembering BBAA, which is my cause, which is the Blue Badge Access Awards. So I'm I'm very obsessed with providing better access for people with uh, compromise through disability in their lives. And all that that encompasses, whether that's something on the spectrum, a lack of sight, lack of hearing, wheelchair confinement, or, or whatever it happens to be. So um, that's my main orbit, but I'm painfully aware that sustainability and diversity come into that as well, particularly uh, making sure the right number of members of staff uh, re reflect society in terms of those who are gay, those who are disabled in some capacity or have another issue which needs to be uh, normalised. Yeah. I've actually got a couple of definitions here, which I'll just read out because I, I definitely feel it's always better to get somebody else to do this who, who's better with words than I on this. So this is the, the definition I found on diversity, and this is only within the context of workplace. Mm. It's not its general term. So the one I found was diversity is any measurement that can be used to distinguish groups and people from one another. So more simply, it's basically our differences. They can be yeah. visible, they can be like gender or race or not, like religion, sexual orientation or socioeconomic status and many other things in both of those uh, sections. Inclusion, I have, is an environment where people of all origins feel seen, heard, respected, valued, supported and allowed to develop. Mm. So I think there is, there's two clear distinctions there. One is... On the one hand, it's it's centered around 
the the groups of people that, and the differences that they bring. And then the other is to do with everyone, wherever you come from and whatever your background, that you feel like you have a forum to belong and to, to do your best work. Do we? Is that fair? Does that resonate with everyone? No, I got it now. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think I think that's really good, um, and I think that really perhaps those definitions really help to, I think, um, sort of explain what we. Um, I think what Sean has uh, said earlier that um, these two diversity and, and inclusion have often been used interchangeably as as as, as words as phrases, um, but they are distinct, aren't they? Um, they are kind of two different exclusive terms. And I think the the one thing to remember, especially within a within a discussion here um, on the on on the workplace, um, diversity and inclusion, is that you can have diversity without inclusion. So you can have one without the other. They are not. Yeah, uh, and that's a challenge, isn't it? Which is what I think um, was really well uh, put, put, put uh, or explained by by Sean, where she said that the inclusion is about the how. So we can be talking about diversity in workplaces, but if we if we can't show for that through inclusion, then 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 workplaces are missing the point, and um, I think are partaking in what we often what we often call the kind of tick box exercise that you know, which is which is which is a shame if that happens. Yeah, so diversity on its own is not enough. No. We've got to then follow through with uh, a very strong, inclusive policy, for want of a better word, mm-hmm. to, to back that up. Yeah, because then I suppose you run the risk of having a situation whereby you are, as you say, you're, you're just ticking the box. But actually, what, what benefit is that to anyone if you're bringing in people into your organisation just to tick boxes rather than for the role and their personalities and everything they bring with them to actually impact your your business. Great. Okay. Well, I, th- I think we've kind of defined the two. Mm. So in terms of, uh, let's take the IOH as an example. Over the last year, as we've discussed, the IOH has set up its very first youth council, the Futures Forum, uh, amongst many other things. Why is it important for industry bodies like the IOH to lead on subjects such as this? Um, I think it's really important that the IOH in particular kind of takes the the lead on it because it's all about making space for everyone to be able to share their viewpoints. And now, as of last year, the youth council didn't exist and there was this kind of stereotype around the membership of the IOH, whereas now with the youth council, you can show that it has a wide variety of members. So it doesn't just focus on people who have been in the industry for years and years. It's also about the future and about the people that have just joined our industry and about their trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Maria, as being on the Futures Forum, what's your what's your take on this? Um, I think I'm one of these individuals that when 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 subjects like diversity and inclusion are being discussed, I think for organisations, if they really want to champion it, they need to, and I have to get this right now, walk the talk. I sometimes get it the other way around. Yeah, uh, walk <laughs> the talk. Um, because I think it's all well and good um, having discussions and saying, oh, this is what should be done. This is what it should be like. You know, the, the hospitality industry is, is known f- has 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 its faults um as as many industries do um so for the IOH to kind of just be outlining those those faults um and and then leaving it at that i don't think that's sufficient so i think 
um, for, for a professional membership organization that has this global outreach, it's really important that they, they lead by example and they say what and how they are championing this this in this this subject area and one way in which they can be doing this is by allowing smaller groups like the youth council or the futures forums to to exist i mean we as a futures forum we are very much within the IOH, but we lead the discussion. So it's, it's, it's us, and I'm sure with youth, with youth, youth council is the same, it's us who are meeting regularly and we then feed back to the IOH um, on the subject areas we feel um, that need to be more dis- discussed in more detail or um, how we want to ensure that or, or what sort of resources we feel that the um, the members are missing, for instance, in order to be able to be more inclusive or to have businesses which are more accessible. Um, so I think it's really about walking the talk. I think that's really important for me personally. And I think the IOH is, is doing that well. Yeah. Robin, you you have any thoughts on this as a, as a previous chair? I think one of the issues is that we are dealing with such a, um, a, a myriad of different types of businesses within hospitality that the, what makes a, a hotel tick is very different to a contract catering business or a, 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 a beachside cafe. So having an organ, a, a body which represents our, in, our interests and provides guidance, support and a sense of fellowship, I think is important. The issue is to remain up-to-date, current and relevant. And I think the IOH is grappling with that extremely well at the moment, trying to be as ahead of the game as possible, representing the uh, age group. Uh, and I think Robert's appointment is quite pivotal in, in having someone much younger than, than just listening to old men like me with grey hair. I think it's 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 very important to reflect the, the audience. The IOH, where it's going to go, I, I think has to increasingly uh, take a lead. It can't just react and be a repository for ideas. It has to generate ideas and make people think and respond to each other in a different way. So it has the possibility of becoming a supremely dynamic organisation. And I wish it every success in, in making that step change. Yeah, absolutely. I think the uh, you hit on something that I think uh, resonates with me in the fact that it's you know, everything's a, a, a f- a moving piece of the jigsaw isn't it and like i mean as an example trying to put a panel together that represents every single facet of the the community that we operate in is impossible so is getting true diversity in the workplace a possibility or is it is it one of these unachievable things that you just keep pursuing after does anybody have any thoughts on that do you mind if I step in on that one? Because I was very privileged to, to go to have a day at Channel 4 long before Nadine Doris, the country's MP for Moronocracy, before she decided to privatise Channel 4. Yeah. If anybody gets a chance to see how they define their programming, their recruitment, their training, their building design, it's off the chart in terms of awareness of what constitutes society. And it's really, really innovating to just be in that environment and to understand how brilliantly they've managed to, to, to reflect that in everything that they do. And I think many organisations would be inspired by what they're up to. So if you get a chance, do tune in to Channel 4 in terms of their facilities and their back of house rather than what you'd see just on TV programmes. Yeah, I mean, that raises a, a quite an interesting point, actually, is that probably you've answered the question straight away but should we be looking beyond our own 
four walls as an industry to you know how we deal with this in the right possible way because that's you know they're a prime example i think that's been channel four's usp all through the years is that they they try to give a voice to as many sections of society as possible so we can take great inspiration from external places I would probably say I completely agree. I think the essence of diversity and inclusion is, uh, as you mentioned earlier, collaboration. And I think the best way of doing this is looking outside of the four walls of our own industry and looking at how other industries and workplaces are doing this best and then implementing that in suitable ways in our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Maria, any thoughts on that? I I think if... There's, there are always examples of, of good practice. Um, so I think learning from, from others, I think, is, um, is sometimes um, one thing that uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe we don't, we should be doing more of. Because I think we, I think the, the, the industry sometimes, I think it goes back to what Robin was saying, the, the hospitality industry is so very diverse and varied. Um, so um, it's, it's no surprise that sometimes one specific sector might struggle championing something for, for, for whatever reasons. So sometimes within within the different sectors of the industry, you can already learn from one um, sector, but also equally um, outside outside of the hospitality industry. I've, I'm just trying to think of some examples, but nothing right now is coming to my mind. So if anything does, I will shout out and say, I've got it now in yeah. terms of examples of, of great practice. Yeah. So, so bear with me. <laughs> No, no, it's cool. I, I think the, the responsibility probably rests with us all, mm. you know, individually and collectively in terms of going out there and, and doing our own research on the topic, on who's doing it well, why are people doing it badly, make sure we're not repeating the you know, same mistakes. And actually, I think the thing for me, it's all about education at the end of the day. Yeah. And actually, this is probably one of those situations whereby I feel, certainly, as somebody who's in his mid 40s like I've always been pretty on it and and kind of like to keep up to date with trends and things like that but this is something that I'm catching up on yeah. and actually I'm being educated by the generations coming through on this mm-hmm. um, because for the vast majority of my work life this has not been a consideration mm. so the key thing for me is, is that education is prominent very available and accessible for everyone and also there's there's got to be this understanding that while we're trying to get it right, there's going to be some clunky moments with it as well. Yeah. But we should con- continue to make steps forward yeah. in any which way that that looks like. Yes. And actually, as you were just talking there, Phil, I was, uh, something that did came to my mind because I was thinking about this whole idea of um, of giving of giving voice and and then leading by example and i'm thinking in our own little um, sort of personal spheres uh, ourselves i mean what can i sometimes wonder what can i do what difference can i make because yeah. sometimes it is just those small small steps are on there and i think sometimes it, the, the idea of leading by example could be by simply sharing maybe the ways in in, in which you as an individual are doing things differently um so i've i, I often give this example of um, the idea of flexible working or um, when it comes to childcare and you know, we now know that, or well, I would hope that we all know that parents um, can now sp- split the, the maternity leave um, into a shared leave, shared parental leave. Um, so I think if if someone within an organization decides to go and, and do that and t- make use of that, I think the organization should shout out about it a bit more so that it raises awareness that actually 
in heterosexual uh, families, uh, the father can actually stay at home if that's what's suitable. There are many different issues here that we could be discussing for hours on end. But mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say here is sometimes sharing that with our immediate friends, colleagues, and then for the organization to share that, share that on their socials um, by giving example maybe of that's how we are managing and, and, and giving idea and, and giving way to, to flexible working could be one perhaps very small but often very effective way to just um, you know give those examples of good practice because I think sometimes we expect the, the big things to be shouted out about um, on a big scale but sometimes those small things can be um, as effective I think if they then get uh, a bit more of a momentum yeah I'd, absolutely fundamentally can learn from each other in any form mm-hmm. that that takes and you know the assumption is is that a lot of this is common knowledge mm-hmm. but the reality is is that it's probably not mm-hmm. um and so yeah by what you're saying in terms of you know shouting about stuff positively people it might just spark some one person to go oh my god i didn't even know that that was mm-hmm. something that that could be considered no that's that that's great does anybody have any uh, examples of when you've seen a diversity and inclusion policy done well uh, within hospitality if I can jump in, Absolutely. a brand that I had recently worked for uh, as part of their employment assistant program, they had a on-site occupational therapist, which I thought was such a unique way of being able to really tap into the workforce's like mindset. I know for myself, as I do suffer from a mental health condition I did visit uh, this gentleman a a number of times and this is something that you don't see a lot of across our industry and it's really innovative that brands are thinking like this and if this was to kind of be taken on board and kind of enlarged as it were so you were to have designated people on site that you could go and speak to whenever I think that would be um, uh, something really good for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I had a, a discussion recently with a, a, a chap called uh, Jason Adams, who's the MD up at Rockcliffe Hall in the Northeast. And he was the first person that I'd spoken to. Like, he was talking about the fact that, that 20 years ago, you know, he wouldn't have had somebody on site who was looking after people's mental health. That would have just been one of those, I'll go talk to HR kind of situations. But that now comes in so many different guises, like even to the point where he's talking about we have... Uh, somebody who's trained in menopause, you know, and, and because that's a part of society. And I actually watched a documentary by Davina McCall on this very, very recently. That's, you know, that's just a natural part of life. But it's, a, it's again, it's something that only feels like now it's getting some kind of airtime for discussion. And it's just, I think the key thing is just to keep evolving with, there's probably only so much you can do to innovate in in discussions like this but keep make sure that you're keeping pace and keep that evolution going absolutely um and it's interesting actually phil um you mentioned the word the the, the word menopause because i wanted to <laughs> to share a little oh, bit really? on that which is which is interesting um because um again one of the one of the um i think we're not very good at t- talking i think talking is something that Talking and really listening to others is what we as a, I don't know, as a society perhaps are not very good at. And and really listening to others and, and just hearing what they've got to say. And, and that is potentially why um, only now, um, you know, the subject of menopause has become one that we don't shy away from, although n- 
I find that actually, I don't know why we would ever shy away from. I mean, if you think about it, 50% of population is likely to go through this um, at I some know. point in their life. So it seems almost a bit odd that it is, or it has been a bit of a taboo subject. But on that subject, what um, what has happened at, at work at the University of Greenwich, we um, a colleague of mine, Maureen, has um, has no, has noticed the need for that discussion to take place, and we have now had a um, a menopause cafe webinars that are run in conjunction with 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 the Greenwich Business School, um, and um, myself and and some other colleagues from from Greenwich are actually currently looking at um, doing some research on that subject to really try and understand um, what this means for the workplace and how can the workplace support individuals who themselves uh, themselves might struggle with symptoms to do with menopause but it also can be the extended um sort of family members or friends who might also in some way need support within that subject because of course again you know um when individuals perhaps go through menopause that doesn't happen in silos just to them it can have an impact on the entire family so i think the entire family groups of people need to learn more about it which is why i think divina's uh, documentary is so very um, excellent and i think it should be watched by everyone whether one is or isn't going to ever go through it themselves and this is something that i've actually been talking to robert about um, as well from the ioh uh, trying to encourage them to um get the ball rolling on that subject as well and champion that for the hospitality industry. So watch this space. Yeah. I, do you know, I think you hit a really key point there in the sense that this is ultimately being true to diversity and inclusion is really not about yourself. Mm. It's it's about being aware of what other people are going through, mm. um, or you know, whether that's positive or negative or, or whatever, and whether they feel isolated or inclusive or whatever. Putting yourself in the shoes of the person who sits next to you in the office at whatever stage in life or background they have or whatever, I think is um, is something in principle that should fit well with hospitality because this is a, a an industry that's built uh, around empathy mm. for for guests and and colleagues etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Am I right or am I um, am I off the mark? No, I would agree with you, Phil. However, I'm old enough to remember when the t- term HR uh, was interpreted to mean human remains. <laughs> Low was the regard for those who worked in that part of the business and how inconsequential we thought that anything that you needed to talk to someone else about was because we laughed at people who had issues. And uh, we've come an awfully long way. We may not feel like it, but we have come an awful long way as a society in terms of being able to express ourselves. I think the earlier comment was that we weren't good, very good at listening. You certainly sound like my first wife, that's, that's for sure. I was <laughs> More interestingly, I think, is... Where does all this topic uh, list sit in an agenda? In other words, if you're at a heads of department meeting in a restaurant or hotel type business, or you're at a board meeting, you're going to be discussing figures, you're going to be discussing CapEx and all these other big ticket stuff. But somewhere in there, you've got to have diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and almost inevitably sustainability. And it's probably that last one which is going to cast a shadow over the other issues as we're all trying to be as green as we possibly can. And that I, I just feel we need champions of all these topics in our businesses. And we probably need to come up with a very neat little acronym that allows that topic to sit side by side in the agenda as a permanent mandatory expected item to, 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 to be discussed on a weekly basis at a, 
um, an HR department heads of department meeting or a monthly basis at a board meeting. Yeah, I, I suppose that in order to affect real change, it has to sit in the boardroom agenda. If that's part of the overall strategy of the company that feeds down into all of the other departments, that it's it's just got to feature heavily in there. With respect, well, I think it needs to sit at both. I don't think it's down yeah. to the, the the fat controller to dictate what happens to Thomas the Tank Engine's team. I think it's much more uh, both ways. I think it can come from the bottom and feed upwards just as much as it comes from the top and feeds down. We're hopefully all meeting in the middle. Absolutely. And congratulations for getting Thomas the Tank Engine into this discussion. <laughs> no, that's great. Obviously, the, the Institute of Hospitality is um, a global network of people. Does anybody have any international experience of this? Because I'm eminently aware of the fact that this mm-hmm. is a, a very front and center agenda point in the UK. But Robin, if I come back to you, you've got some international hotels in your portfolio, I believe. Mm-hmm. Do you see a, a huge variety of focus on this across the lands? Uh, well, I have uh, colleagues in Oregon, in the northwest of America, where there's a much more enlightened view of the softer components of life, and they seem to be as organized and as bright and as up-to-date as one could possibly hope for as, as paragons of virtue. So there's that. Uh, we have other colleagues and stakeholders in businesses in North Africa and going into parts of Arabia where the concept of women being educated, let alone allowed to speak or walk at the same level as their husband is still anathema. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's dreadfully embarrassing. And if I could just call out Dominic Raab for being another prize member of the moralocracy that is in the Conservative Party at the moment to walk out of Afghanistan in the way that we did is an assault on human values, but particularly on, on women's values. The, the duty of care to women who had been educated and, and had tasted equality for the first time in their lives, to have that taken away is just so vicious and cruel, and we just don't seem to care. Mm. So I, I, just as there's an apartheid and a division, and a, a, we, we put the Cold War with Russia back into the deep freeze, I do think it's time to take other and sovereign states to, to task over the, the lack of diversity in their society and the abject re- rejection of anything that women can bring to the, the table. If we just had premiers, this is in your favour, ladies, uh, if we had premiers, prime ministers or, or presidents who were only female, I don't think we'd have many wars. So there's, there's a topic all of its own, but uh, please... Um, <laughs> Let's just empower the ladies and let us men take a back seat because we're pretty rubbish at it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, history will will demonstrate our capability, won't it, really, in, in that regard, for sure. But, um, yeah, I think you've definitely opened up a, a couple of discussion points for the, the future in a different guise. Uh, but I, I hear you. I mean, I, I, does anybody else have any international experience from what they're seeing? From within academia i it's 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 hard for me to give so i i guess we there's always been this this discussion about a very western centric perspective and trying to now especially within research for instance involve research participants from the global south and continue doing um, research to, for the participants to be as diverse as possible but when it comes to the hospitality industry i i wouldn't want to speak um, I don't feel comfortable speaking on on behalf of 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 those from other countries. Although, like Rob, like Robin said, we 
we are aware that there are some who champion this subject uh, better than others and others who wouldn't even engage or be allowed to engage in that subject area at all. So, so yeah, it's, it's a hard one. Um, I don't know, Sean, if you yeah. have any industry examples from, from, from across the world. I mean, I know that um, I think it is in China where the subject of, well, there isn't really disability discussed as such because I don't think they acknowledge that as a as an issue for various reasons but like i say i i never feel too comfortable about talking about something based on what i think i know <laughs> i would prefer others who are in it to share their experiences yeah yeah shan do you have any experience of this um so i've worked in australia this was a couple of years ago i just came back uh, before the uh, pandemic hit and um, yes, they they have a very heightened kind of awareness around uh, diversity and inclusion. And it's very evident across the workplaces that I was fortunate enough to be part of. Uh, the teams were exceptionally diverse and everybody's viewpoints were taken into account. I know from conversations um, with my mentor in Canada or with, with his team, he always takes a lot of time to sit down and kind of roundhouse ideas out. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's very important. And I, I think going back to what Robin was saying about how different kind of countries around the world view women's issues in particular, I think there's still a long way to go. I think we are in a very good uh, position within the, I suppose, the Western society to be able to lead on that. But ultimately, it has to come from uh, the these countries themselves. Uh, I was wondering kind of uh, what you guys thought on that. Yeah, I, I, I would completely agree with that. There's only so much we can do, right? I mean, and, and without turning into the world police, mm. as it were, which is the flip side, is that, you know, you have to, I suppose, respect people's cultures to a certain extent um if you're if you're not in agreement with the way that they do things then really what can we do about that that's um apart from try to educate uh, and hope that they they take it on board that's way above my pay grade in terms of having capability to influence that but yeah i think there's um like most things i suppose it's about getting your own house in order first mm. and then that hopefully then feeds out to people can start to see the benefit of the things that you're implementing and and that's bringing positivity and change and all of the things that you need to see uh, and actually that probably leads us on to a nice question to kind of round things off what from your experience or from what you've seen or or anything what are the benefits to uh, where companies and individuals have utilized a diversity and inclusion policy well um thanks phil i would probably i would probably say uh, like i mentioned earlier um uh, one of the companies that i recently worked for uh, their focus on i suppose mental well-being was at the forefront and I guess they're kind of leading on that with having an occupational therapist on site. I think having the occupational therapist on site, they could take it a step further. So when you look at the employment landscape, uh, when you have the onboarding process with your new colleagues that come in and you have those that are perhaps brave enough to make the admission that they have a disability or they have like a mental health condition to have that person or the management 
or the uh, HR department to sit down and have a quick 10 minute, 15 minute conversation with them around what that looks like for them. Because no one, and I mean, if we look at mental health in particular, no one's depression or anxiety or anything like that looks the same. So understanding how that looks for the individual and how the company can best help them and then they can help them in return. Yeah, which leads to a happier employee, right? And therefore you would hope a better quality of work. And so actually the benefit to the business is deal with this front and center and actually you'll get a a much better person to to work with. Definitely. I think there's there's another dynamic in play here, Phil, which is the lingering effect of COVID. None of us could have anticipated what was going to happen and how full and final it felt at the time when Johnson decided that we should all stay at home and behaviours were adopted by a lot of people other than his cabinet to stand up to those laws and and observe them. Um, You may have got the vibe that I'm not very keen on this government. And if I haven't made it clear, I hate everyone. (laughs) I do know over the the time of knowing you, Robin, that's never come across. (laughs) Anyway, I must stop going off at a, 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 at a tangent with my rant. What I'm trying to say is that uh, COVID has had an effect here with people's mental health, time for self-reflection. And in addition to all the diversity and inclusion issues, there's also repatriating yourself into a new way of work. Is that, in chef's cases, a four-day week going to be permanent? Do we now face a lot of hospitality businesses closing on Mondays and Tuesdays forever Mm. are we going to have businesses where it's okay for a general manager to work from home two days a week and he's only seen in the business three days a week and so on so there's a big dynamic taking place and i do think an us and them society may linger if we're not careful a lot of banks for instance bank managers don't go to the office other than once a fortnight the rest of the time they're perfectly at liberty to work from home or go out and see clients so where we work and the symbiosis and the, and the stimulation that we get from being engaged with fellow workers is very different now. There's an isolationism which seems fairly permanent and it it's, is going to have an effect on people's sense of belonging, their pride, but particularly the stimulation that going to work and being seen in, in part of a happy work environment is on pretty shaky ground at the moment and I hope that will recover. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Maria, anything, any final comments? <laughs> any final comments? I think it's interesting, isn't it, that loneliness is this year's Mental Health Awareness Week's main focus, isn't it? If I got that right, I think. Yeah, it's it's such a difficult subject anyway, um, what loneliness means actually to, to, um, uh, to individuals and how COVID has... Uh, brought that to light even even more that that subject area um, which is a good thing but it's also worrying that so many of us um, will or have experienced loneliness Um, but um, anyway um, so just just going back to your question Phil about the impact uh, that a good diversity and inclusion policy can have on a on a company well done for remembering by the way Uh, thank you Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I always sort of um, I'm trying to think as often, uh, as always, um, to to um, leave uh, or finish this conversation on a high, but I can't help myself <laughs> being critical about things. I guess that's just how my brain works. Um, that's fine. It's a safe space. Yeah, you're, we you're we academics yeah, suffer from, uh, from 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 that. I think sometimes overanalyzing and um, being overcritical at times. But I think 
I think if um, for for businesses which champion a diversity and inclusion policy, we know that there are benefits of of that for the for the business because we will have employees who are more likely to be not only happy being in that um, environment, um, but um, employees who will be loyal, who will be committed, who will uh, want to do their best for for that organization, who will perhaps also themselves become almost like brand ambassadors, shouting out about the good things that the business is doing, um, for themselves and for others. But on the other hand, I think it's really challenging because we we see that I think in because the subject of diversity and inclusion is so very wide and, and connect so many different sort of spheres of working and personal life together that sometimes businesses can be really great at one aspect and sadly fall um, on, on the other aspect. And it's how how do businesses um, ensure that that doesn't happen? I, I, I don't have the answer, but I, I feel that, that that does happen and needs to be addressed somehow. So, so I don't know. I don't know if it's down to the the culture of the organization um, and this whole idea again of walking the talk that they they live and breathe diversity and inclusion in a way that um, nothing will slip their uh, their minds in that sense yeah but i always um yes i i always uh, sort of struggle with that with that idea when when you also sometimes hear examples of this 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 is done really well but there is something else that seems to have been almost uh, overlooked um, so how how does the business try and do everything as well as they can? And maybe that's just impossible. So um, if maybe listeners have some ideas and they may be able to share with us on that, I would be really keen to to know how how that happens. That's a really good point, actually. I'd, I'd uh, happily open up to anybody who's listening who has some strong opinions and thoughts on how we can collectively and individually become leaders in this mm-hmm. space. The the thing for me is that as I was researching the topic that was very clear to me that actually and this is actually just if you look at your own life mm. without thinking about work or anything like that but actually having lots of diverse opinions from people in all from all backgrounds and all facets of life you know if they're imparting their opinions onto you it can only make your decision making better because you become a lot more open minded to possibilities a lot more open minded to challenges that you haven't necessarily faced yourself. And that then, if you take that into a workplace environment, can only benefit the business. It means that you evolve quicker as a business. Mm. You're on trend, you're on, uh, you know, you're, you're thinking ahead, you're thinking about how you can continually improve things. And so I would, I would suggest that that's then down to leadership to make sure, and leadership in any form, as mm. Robin alluded to earlier on around the, the boardroom, HODs, anyone that is supervising a team in any way, shape or form, just make sure that everybody's voice is being heard wherever they come from. And a a phrase that I heard, which I think is absolutely brilliant, is just make sure you check your own privilege Mm. because it can really, really give you one sense of something when there are, I mean, however many senses of something. But anyway, that's my 10 pence's worth for if anybody's still listening. But yeah, no, look, thank you very much. I think this is a, it's such a, a wide and varied topic that I just, I don't think you could ever hope to unpack in the space of 45 minutes. I massively appreciate all of your, your comment and uh, opinion on this. I'm pretty sure we'll have to come back to this again in a year and five years time to see what progress is being made, uh, what initiatives have, have come into play. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd thank you so much for your time and wish you on your merry way. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Phil. Well done. Thanks.
Thank you, Sean. Thank, Thank you, you everyone. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm in. I'm in. Today's episode of I'm In was brought to you by Cater.com and covered diversity and inclusion with Shanran AIH, Dr. Maria Gebbles, MIH, Robin Shepherd, FIH, and hosted by Phil Street, FIH. A huge shout out to the IOH's very own Sonia Creswell AIH for artwork and branding and Leon Williams MIH for the music. To say I'm in and feature on a future episode, contact phil.street at instituteofhospitality.org. And to find out more about the Institute of Hospitality or to join our hospitality family, please click the links in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and join us next time where we'll be discussing maturity versus experience.